Yeah, we're back. Welcome, Mark. Mark's Mark, back. Mark's back on the in the contiguous forty-eight. Ah, thank yeah. you very much, guys. Yeah, and he's been. It's weird because there's some words that you're saying now that I just feel like you're probably putting a U in there, and it, yes. and an unnecessary S and spelling like, theater wrong. The yeah. R before the it E. It adds a certain yeah. color to my speech. <laughs> oh, yes, you picked you picked it back up. Uh, Didn't we talk about that when he wasn't here? Like wait, we're waiting to see if he's going to come back. Oh, with stop it. taking the piss. Yeah, <laughs> so, somewhere someone is putting. Strawberry. I don't know what that was. Uh, <laughs> Strawberry. Anyway, yeah. Strawberry. Welcome. welcome yeah. <laughs> well, great guys. It's really <laughs> solid. Where? So, uh, so welcome back. Uh, we won't we won't totally sidebar on your trip, but like, uh, where all did you go? Quick. Uh, your favorite spot. Oh, favorite spot. Uh, Dunblane, Scotland. Oh, that's what I was gonna guess. What yeah. was there? Uh, friends. Yeah. And uh, Andy Murray's gold mailbox. No, or, wow. Sorry, post box. Is that where he yeah. lives? His post box. Uh, it's where he's from. Oh, okay. Yeah, you could spend your money on anything, but Pretty that's much. what. But that's what he chose to. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Not actual gold though, because it seems like that no, would it's be just painted gold. Yeah, and then yeah, and then just garish. It's not actually valuable. It's something that the British government does. Like they paint certain things gold when you win a gold medal. Really? Yeah. You've that's sweet. Of them. And you flew into Belfast. We no actually flew into Dublin, but yeah. uh, was picked up from the airport there and driven post haste to Belfast. And then the the last little nugget that I'll ask you to share is that what the what the local people say. So I didn't realize you told me not that long ago that I guess the Titanic was made in Belfast. Titanic, Titanic was built in in Belfast. And then what what's the saying? So the saying uh, of the locals there is she was fine when she left here. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about this show. Well, she was fine the last time we left her. Oh, sure. Is that a, are yeah. you digging on Mark when you when you say that? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I was just like, let's see what comes out of your face and see where this goes. <laughs> Clearly, uh, the answer is uh, nowhere. Uh, unlike every other show that we right. do. Why, why don't we play theme music? Oh, yeah, let's do theme music. All right, I'm Shane. Ryan. Kevin. Hey, and I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. Well, we lost a couple more recently. Well, Celebrity Death Watch. Celebrity uh, Death Watch. Yeah, we lost uh, Kenny Baker, R2-D2. Um, Three foot eight or something. Very like. very, very diminutive. And Live to 81, though. It's not like, you know, it's not like he didn't just... Didn't hold him back. No. Uh, well, no. well, and we did... We, and the, but and how... I don't... Okay, so they said actor who portrayed R2-D2. How? Because, like, to me, it was just like a rolling fucking igloo cooler... That made funny noises. Well, you know, I've always wondered the same thing, and I'm, I bet there's a lot of people out. Hey, if anybody's out there that wants to send us an email, I assume that they just message somebody at Gmail. Well, well yeah, I I assume that he they just uh, took his legs out and post like that. It was like kind of a puppet suit, right? Yeah. So I was like, looking at he fit some inside of, the, of it. I knew that. Yeah. Like yeah. I've seen him. Like he fit down inside. And I know somebody pulled him sometimes, but I think there were different things of mm-hmm. activation. Like maybe he moved the head and stuff. Yeah. Mm. yeah I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's what he did. Well, anyway, he's gone. <laughs> right. You such respect for the people. <laughs> well, anyway, he's gone. Yeah, he's and gone. next one. <laughs> like, uh, sorry. I mean, you know, nothing against um, Kenny uh, Baker, late Mr. Baker, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a very peculiar claim to fame, and uh, and God God bless him. It's the most amazing claim to fame. <laughs> well, and it's what did like, you do with your li- well R two D two? Oh, you're hired. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, uh, all right, and who else? Oh, and so, th- well, this is uh, one that was actually probably taken a little before his time, and that's John McLaughlin. The, oh, yeah. At, a- at age 89, um, he probably, from the McLaughlin group on PBS, the most exciting show. He passed today. On PBS. Yeah. He did. Yeah, so, um, oh, that's all I have to say about John McLaughlin. You put, like, him and Charlie Rose in a room and just let them fight it out. McLaughlin <laughs> was a I little. Charlie Rose would win at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yes, at uh, this that, point, that he definitely true. would win. So the I wanted to talk about this, and this is funny because um, on my way over here, well, not on my way over here, but earlier today, I uh, I saw an article about how Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins fame 
This has gone and oh yeah, he's gone. I've he's gone this. and con- he's gone and contacted all of the other members of Smashing Pumpkins, the original incarnation, and they're all getting back together. And I was like, a, uh, he sees the cash cow there. Whatever, I don't care. I never liked that band anyway. It doesn't matter. But then it made me start remembering. And Ryan just came in today. One of the things I wanted to talk about is his. He's gone through a recent transformation in his later years. One of which being that he is now. A very frequent guest on Alex Jones's Infowars. Oh, Info he's a Wars. conspiracy theorist. He's a total conspiracy theorist, uh, and he's often on Alex Jones Infowars because I guess it lends Alex Jones some kind of credibility somehow. Um, yeah, at this point, I'm not sure who lends who credibility. Like, well, Billy I mean, Corgan's fucking off the rails at this point. Yeah, so. if you're a, fr- a frequent con- collaborator, if you're a frequent contributor to Infowars. It doesn't matter who you are. You're I heard Billy Corgan a couple years ago give an interview where he said he hopes that Smashing Pumpkins goes on without any of the original members in it. And I'm like, I'm not sure you get the concept of a band. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's and the, just like that's just you're just one cruise ship away from that happening. Like that could that could happen. <laughs> that could happen any time. And Frank, like, well, that's know, a cover band. That's exactly that right. That's well, exactly no, you, what it is. Some, sometimes you do have bands where like you'll have five members and then one will quit. And then uh, you know uh, you'll hire a new one, and then through throughout the years that that guy that was the new one, eventually he's the last guy left. So technically none of the original yeah, members. Yeah, but are it's in still it. con- contiguous, you know. Like is that is that how I'm saying? It's anyway, contiguous, um, contiguous, yes. contiguous. Uh, but anyway, like you know, there's, there's at least like a trail of people who were like in the band that kept the name alive or whatever. But anyway, his newest in But it's about the, yeah, so they, so 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 the other thing was and I had remembered that he was part of this I read a, a little while ago, but Ryan comes in today and shows me this. I'm like, "You fucking kidding?" Like great minds think alike, obviously. Yeah. Why don't you tell them what this well, is, Billy Ryan? Corgan is now the president of a wrestling uh company and it's the second biggest wrestling company in the world, second to WWE. And it's called, and I'm not making this up, TNA. Uh-huh. On becoming TNA president, Corgan says he is now president of the second biggest pro wrestling company in the world, and he has been part of TNA for five years. He adds he takes his role in pro wrestling very seriously, as he loves the business and he will never back down from that. Corgan says it's an honor to be TNA president <laughs> and plans to be <laughs> successful in wrestling as he has been in music. The way every time you say TNA, you slightly pause. It's like when somebody reads back a Mad Libs to you. (laughs) Corgan says that TNA. Corgan admitted that there are many challenges with TNA. (laughs) There are a lot of difficult things going on with TNA internally. (laughs) You don't say. Yeah. Well, it's just great that he's finding something to do with his time. Jesus. Like. So. Other than looking glum on roller coasters, right? Exactly. It looked like well, I'd be glum too if like your knees are up in your forehead. Like he just looked like he'd been shoehorned in there with somebody with a running stork. He's a tall man. He's a tall man. Uh, he's an awkward dude. Yeah. Um, and so, what's today, Kevin? Other uh, than our parents' anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it is that. But it's today is uh, today is the anniversary. Of the passing of uh, Elvis Presley, thirty-nine years ago today. Thirty-nine years ago today, yeah, we are we are creeping up on uh, the amount of time having passed since since the age that he was when he decided. To, what he was forty-two. He was forty-two. But anyway, yeah, it was um, August sixteenth. Has always been a weird day because not only was it our our parents' anniversary, but it was also the day that Elvis You're died. You're the one like, who told me he had died. It was on this day. We were in the back of Mom's boxy. Brown Impala. Yeah. And you go, like, Elvis died today. And I was like, no, he didn't. Shut up. <laughs> like, cause to me, like, Elvis was like this, you know, omnipotent, you know, just figure that, I mean, like, those people don't die. And apparently they do. <laughs> apparently they do. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, that, that happened on this date. And so originally, the funny thing is, is that this, this, sh- this individual recording of this show, We've pushed at least once, so it's like when we originally were going to record it, it wasn't going to necessarily fall on this date, and then it just kind of, I was driving home today before I figured out that I was like, oh, shit, we're going to lay this down on exactly on like this pertinent date, so right. anyway. Today, the, this being uh, Elvis Presley's first full-length LP, Elvis Presley. Iconic uh, cover to that record, too. I had never seen the cover before. Well, um, you'd seen the cover I'd of seen London the cover. I've seen, I'd seen the cover of the Clash <laughs> album. 
That, well, uh, in uh, Rolling Stone's homage. top 100 album covers of all time, Elvis Presley is number 40, number 39, London Calling. <laughs> Who decides which one is better? I mean, I think uh, the London Fricky. Calling cover by The Clash is uh, a great response to it because it's, you know, dude like smashing a guitar with the exact same font uh, as the Elvis cover, and it's basically like saying, like, you know, fuck old rock. You know, here's what we're doing now. Yeah. So. I learned something that I did not know, and it was not what I expected to learn, and for some reason it stuck with me, and that is, can anybody guess, little little trivia, can anybody guess uh, how many shows outside of the U.S. Elvis played during the entirety of his career? I don't know, none? Two. Oh. In Canada. Like, really? Ne- never played Europe. Never, uh, never played anywhere else other than other than the states. And there was apparently at one point later in his career a rumor that um, there was bidding war, or at least rumor of a bidding war for a big Australian tour, and it just never happened. And I wonder and, why. Well, he was the reason dude. that that his camp said that it happened was that it didn't happen was that uh, that someone a star of his stature couldn't be guaranteed the proper security in a. Anyway, like you know, it's just like that big sounds like a bunch of BS. puffy rock star yeah. ego stuff. I'm with you though. I do think it's a good record, uh, and I guess it was about half and half. Uh, yeah, Sun Studios and RCA, and and very obvious what the wh- which which ones they did at Sun and which ones they did at RCA. I mean, it, well, the RCA stuff's more clean. Uh, well, I mean, the RCA stuff is all the rockabilly stuff and all the slower ballads and stuff like that. I mean, those are all well, the, the ballads are really fucking amazing yeah the ballad i mean so are the rockabilly songs and i'm not a huge rockabilly fan but the band is great and um the one thing i did notice that's really interesting and later in the show i want to a b this i want to we'll play a song off this record and then and then i want to play i want to compare it because one of the things that i really had liked about elvis and them like i really like this record but he is still growing into his own as a singer like he's still really rough around the edges and you can i mean even like the ballad stuff you can hear it especially more than the other stuff. And then by the time the, the ballads were recorded in 54, 55, this album came out in 56. Later in 56, he recorded Love Me Tender, which if you go back, I want to listen to Love Me Tender and compare that with, you know, even like, you know, Blue Moon or there's a couple of songs on there, a couple of ballads where he sounds good, but he's not. He doesn't have the voice yet, like the crooner, beautiful, full. I think he sounds great. He man. sounds good, but he doesn't sound as good as he's going to sound within a year. He's gonna within a year, he's going to sound amazing. Not so later in this show, I want to play. We'll play a little bit of one ballad, and then we'll play a little bit of "Love Me Tender," and you guys can just hear what I'm talking about. How established was Elvis? At the time that they put this album out, how, how this long is had, he, had he been performing? Well, it was his first record, but, well, he, but he'd put out a bunch of singles. Well, he put out stuff, and he started when he walked into Sun Studios. It was in '53. Um, when he recorded the the ballads on this, um, he had put out some singles, but um, through Sun Records. But he recorded, he had recorded a bunch of songs at Sun, and then he went and recorded a bunch with us in in '54 and '55. And then, then they recorded these in like early '56, I think. And uh, actually, I can't remember the exact dates. But and then they all they put those Sun Records songs out with the, the which are the more ballady country songs with the rockabilly songs together on this one. So this is his first major label record. But he had, I guess, he probably been playing around like maybe two years because he already he he already has some of his trademark. <laughs> kind of vocal warbles and such. Well, I think that's what got him signed in the first place. I think, like, he had that, you know, there's the whole, it's, you know, apocryphal, but, I mean, his secretary said it a lot. Like, if I could find a, you know, a white boy that sounded like a Negro, I guess is what he said, or, you know, whatever, uh, I'd sell a million records. And and, uh, he ended up doing, you know, whatever, like going and cutting a couple of demos. Sam Phillips' secretary had written, like, you know, like, We'll check back. In good ballads. She she wrote yeah. good. She goes good ballad singer. Hold him. You know, m- making notes because Sam Phillips wasn't there. No, he just went in to like pay for his own record. Yeah. Uh, to do like a single, and she was like, you know, it's pretty good. You know, we'll see. Thing is, dude, 
So many people told Elvis he sucked. Yeah, he got he, he auditioned for a bunch of bands and didn't make them. He was driving a truck around, auditioned for another band. They said he he wasn't good enough. Like he his he, he failed he failed music. music. He failed music in school. Like his teacher thought he was a horrible singer. He even like took a guitar to school to like play her some like a song how he wanted to sing. And she told him another classmate said she told him like yeah you and I have different ideas of what a singer should be. Like I mean the guy like. You gotta give him credit. I mean, he kept. Well, he's persistent, he, and he was persistent. Well, and he just grew up in an environment where he was just immersed in it. Uh, like once he finally got a guitar when he was like ten or eleven, he just like took to it. But he wasn't even asking for one. I think he wanted a bike or something. But anyway, um, he just hung out in a lot of the like African American, you know, centric parts of town, and kind of picked that stuff up and ran with it. You know, and he gets criticized a lot for you know taking you know black music into the mainstream of white america but he genuinely liked it do you do you guys want to listen to one of these songs yeah let's play one like, you know what? i was thinking of a different one but i think maybe we'll listen to i got a woman just because like people are familiar with that because of the ray charles version of it later and let's just play that song i got a woman well i got a woman way across town she's a good to me oh, oh yeah say i got a woman Way across town, she's a good to me. Oh yeah, she gets on what I'm in need. Yeah, she's the kind of a, a friend and me. I got a woman way across town, she's a good to me. Oh oh yeah, she says a loving early in the morning just for me. Yeah, I mean, he's got that that Elvis, the Elvis sound. Hello, you just look a sister. Yeah. Except different. Yeah. I think he had that pretty much from the outset, and they they just really appreciated that. I, but I think he, he really grew into a much more, I was going to say well-rounded singer, but, but his voice. I, I have his, no issues with his singing no, on this he record. He definitely I became don't, more you're rounded. You're not listening to what I'm saying, yeah. dude. I don't have issues with what he's with how he sings, I'm just saying he gets better as a singer really fast. Okay. Well, like and a, I and I do think to Ryan's point, like some of the like the rough edges in his his voice come off as flavor on this record. Sure, like, I do too. I think that that's but in in the ballads, especially, I notice like they're he's a, within a very short period of time, like he's rubbed off all the rough edges. There is footage on the web of uh of er, like an early. Like just house hang around with the following four people: Elvis, Buddy Holly, Johnny Cash, and Carl Perkins, circa 1955 in Lubbock. Like shot by one of Buddy Holly's friends. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah, actually, like, yeah, like you were at that Johnny Cash show, Shane. You and I went in what '93 and four. And yeah. Jimmy Dale Gilmore told the story about how he went when he was like nine or something. His dad took him to a show in Lubbock, where uh, Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly opened, opened for, for Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash. Yeah, that's crazy. Like that yeah. whole thing is like the, you're just like, yeah. Did, did you save the ticket? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like that shit would go for at least five bucks on eBay. Yeah, and between five, like, at least five. I pay five seventy five for that. <laughs> sure, I'd go six. <laughs> you guys just said, let's just have a but, riveting rest of the podcast where you like. You could just outbid one another in an imaginary sale of a ticket that you never owned on eBay. <laughs> well, and here's the thing: it's like so. I assume that that show is probably around the same time that this footage was shot, which is 1955, which is a year before this record came out. So it's like you are getting Elvis and Buddy Holly and Johnny Cash, presumably all on the uptick of their careers, like just at the hey, very what beginning. kind of deal with the devil did Sam Phillips make? Man, that's crazy. Yeah, crazy. Like he just had like this little like storefront on you know Main Street in Podunk, and in Memphis, yeah, all these fucking yeah Memphis, but still, I mean, 
not like fucking New York City. No. Uh, well, and I've driven by the, and you probably have too, City. Shane. Like it's Get the like I've driven by the. Have you ever driven by where Sun Records is? Yeah, like, I have. It's nothing to look. It's a blip. Yeah. Like you would hiccup it's and a miss storefront. it. Well, and and just we'll wrap this up pretty quick. But um, there's a technique that I didn't know was pioneered during this era, but it's called slapback. In the production, hey, there's no need. To oh, talk you can like hear that. it all over the place. Well, yeah. I know, and but it's, it's a form of like well, what I used to, when I was working with a, a band back in the day, and this girl like would, you know, the singer was to sound kind of thin, and I was like, we like to kind of her to sound like uh, she's like double tracked, and he'd go like, oh, you want some slapback on it? And I was like, okay. Well, it turns out that's where this is where that came from. Do you want to pick a different now song? We, we yeah, I love. Let's go to let's go uh, with uh, I love you because. I love you because you understand every single thing I try to do. You To lend a helping hand I love you Most of all Because you Love me tender Love me true All my dreams For my darling, I love you, and I always. All right, so we went and did it. I said we were going to back we, to back. We did them back to back before we came back in because I wanted them to be able to listen to those songs like side by side. And so I'm sure we both feel validated because I feel validated. I don't think there's anything to feel validated about. Well, it's I, not one's better than the other. I think you. I, why do you frame this in a, like a way that we have to be fighting about something? I let me okay. Let me just say this, and I'm gonna say it in really short, small words. Missed you guys. I like <laughs> this song. I love oh, it's this fantastic. song. Yeah. It is good. He develops into a much better singer in a short amount of time. That's all I wanted so to. Sh- that's what I was going to bring up when you say a word like better. I prefer. Okay, different. I love you because it's different. Yeah, it, no, he's it, a more mature singer. It's a more mature singer. It sounds like it's. It sounds like he, he in this. He sounds like an incredibly talented boy, and then in Love Me Tender, he sounds like a grown ass man. Yeah, I prefer the incredibly talented boy with a little. It bit doesn't of matter what you. Okay, sorry. Better is a, a different word. A different word to say. He just matures really. He learns a lot yeah. really quickly. You don't see They're that. They're both great. It also. Just, I'll, the point I'm trying to make is that you don't see people mature that quickly very often. It shows how fucking talented he is. That well, he was also Newsom at the movies, by the way. Right. Yeah, and he was. And and to be fair, like he was also like these these records came out quickly. Like at the you know. That's during during this time, like there was it was a heavy production period. It was period. like a year so, later like, that. Love well, he had he had two number one releases in 1956 alone. So like, like just in terms of like how often these records were coming. But out, he was like, touring a lot, and that's what I think a lot had to do with that. I think sure, he was touring like, and learning. Yeah. How, you learned how to sing a lot on your feet, and like <clears throat> he just he changed and matured so much as a singer in such a brief period of time. Um, and became, in my opinion, so much more accomplished. Um, just I, I do have a side comment. Yes. So you're so one of the things that, that you mentioned was that one of those tracks, "Love Me Tender," is it "Love Me Tender"? And it, like where where there's there there's a moment where he stops and like sort of um, talks to the girl that he's singing about, and like it occurs to me that really sort of it's the first slow jam. Like it's the first yeah. slow jam all right. moment. All right, like, I could give you that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's you know I'll think of it different. I think that "Love Me Tender" like the first, I don't know how long, minute and a half, two minutes of that song. Girl. I think it's perfect. <laughs> but then, but then, yeah, but then it goes into I can't remember what he said because I always turn it off to. He's like, "Well, there was that one time we were up on that hill <laughs> that summer, and uh, and you ran away, he and I, I didn't want you to come break run down. away." And uh, it's like a breakdown where he's just talking, just, and it just mind wanders. It takes you out of this. It's like this beautiful. It's just this beautiful voice and a guitar, right? And acoustic guitar, and then all of a sudden he's like, 
Well, that one time, that one summer, we went up and watched a football you game, and whatever he says, I don't like, know what he says. It's like a broken bridge. You can just picture all trying to get across to get back to the other uh, song. You our, can just picture our, his right. studio musicians just sitting there, kind of playing and looking at each other, like, what, what the fuck's going on here? I never <laughs> listen past that part. Like, it's always so annoying. If I hear it on the radio, I'm always like, I'm always have my finger on the button, just waiting to the. Well, that one time we went to football or whatever the hell he says, like he just <laughs> turned the fucking channel I right there. I bought you a Frosty. <laughs> yeah, the time so when you broke you wore, my iPad. You, you wore my Varsity jacket, then you lost that it. That was it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's quite something. Uh, let's get into the intermission, show. Yeah, we? let's do some intermission stuff. Got this week on the intermission. Are you doing Elvis for just a second? I've got this week. I've got this week. Uh-huh. Hard for me to get out of this voice yeah. right now. Uh, no, uh, actually, um, well, okay. So I, I did kind of think about the legacy of the Elvis record uh, and like how it sort of like brought music from like the Frank Sinatra era and bridged over to the Beatles era and whatnot. But like, really, was it important? Like. Anyway, this week I've got uh, TV on the radio, Wolf Like Me, which who knows like what would have happened uh, in music. Had there been no Elvis? Had there been no Elvis. Um, like, who knows? Like, I mean, it just changed everything. So TV on the radio is a band that I like heard about a bunch. Actually, the first encounter I had with them was like I was, you know, talking with a girl. I did like online dating like 12 years ago or something. And that was when the internet was still like wind up, right? Like yeah. you said to turn a crank and it was using it's still made out of wood. It was using yeah. tubes. You yes. press the dial a few times until the op- operator. <laughs> yeah, you're going to operator, operator. You're going to want to jiggle the handle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But in any case, like uh, like this girl and I started talking and like we had a lot of the same like bands in common or whatever. And she was like, oh, I'm really into TV on the radio right now. And I went and listened to some of it, and I was like, this might be a little out there for me, but this song, they fucking nail it. Uh, And it's Wolf Like Me. So let's go listen to that, and we'll come back and discuss. Just a fucking like grand slam in the bottom of the ninth, as far as I'm concerned. I know we come back to baseball metaphors all the time, but I love that song so much. And weirdly, while I was thinking of it, it's sort of the anti-Elvis, and stay with me here. That's a largely African-American band. I think there's one white guy in it who was in that video for about two seconds. Um, but they are pretty much like an art rock indie band. They are, yeah. And if you had not seen that video, you might not know that there were black people in it. Um, and Cool video, too. That yeah, is a cool video. A little bit of a, um, uh, also, a little bit of a throwback, so some nostalgia happening there. Yeah, like, uh, you know, they, they purposely dirty it up, you know, to make it look well, vintage or whatever. And beyond that, it's like, they have like, uh, I mean, it's a little bit like um, before cool. talkies, like... Oh, like yeah. a silent, silent, yeah. silent yeah. film era. Yeah. yeah. Also, do some pretty crude stop, uh, stop motion animation. Yeah, and lots of like interesting like it, like effects to where it looks like the the 
if it had been filmed, it, it might have been like left to decay a little bit, like interesting, like cloudy things going on in lines and stuff like that. And that's a band I probably should investigate further. Yeah, you know um, what though, I'm on the, I'm, a, I, I totally am in agreement with you. I've listened to them quite a bit, and and there are a handful of songs, that being one of them, that I love. And but for the mo- and on paper, I love them, but but as far as listening to them, um, I don't. Love. I mean, I, I, yeah. The the, the I, other I, I like I've probably listened to another half dozen songs, and I'm like, there's nothing that like slew me the way this one well, does. And there, let's be clear, like there, the, I think that there are acts that you are that when you're in the middle of listening to something, you're like, okay, I, I'm on board with this, but it's a different thing altogether to go seek it out. So, yeah, maybe we're in the same place. Maybe that just would beyond this song. Like this song's great. Yeah, I heartily endorse it. Uh, everybody should. Go yeah, find good, it and good song. put it on repeat. And I there is like a little bit of a vampire thing going on there. It's a too. werewolf thing. Oh, that's werewolf what it is. Well, the song well, is called here, Wolf God Like Me. She, she, but she bit the guy. She I bit know, him. She with, had, and then, I know, they, and then the other dude werewolf. said that they're, that's, you know, the, that's when the wolves come out. I think and that's why it's There's some redheaded chick standing on top of a building, like singing, and I don't know where she came from. Well, at the end, yeah. the, the the big fat guy who was like the butler earlier or some shit, I don't know, he goes, we're all werewolves. And then the two protagonists, protagonists look at each other and, and laugh. And laugh. Yeah. But hmm. they're in like a like a post-copulation embrace kind of thing. Well, because they I'm lost all my first record post-copulation embrace. It's pretty thing. good, yeah. If you had been like, like I wish you, you had had a band in like the late 70s, like around the time of like... I wish he would have had a Afternoon Delight. Yeah. No, no, that would have been better. Like, I was thinking like a new wave band from New York. All right, kids. Uh, <laughs> on that note, I don't, I don't know where that's going, but uh, let's get back into a little Elvis, darling. Oh, thank you very much. Do we know what Colonel Tom Parker was a colonel of? Like, the, was nothing. he? Uh, was he? I no, was he it was nothing? an honorary yeah, title. Like, yeah. I was, I was wondering. It's sort like, of like Colonel Sanders. Like, yeah, like, he's yeah. about as official it, as Colonel it, it, Sanders. Colonel Sanders really wasn't ever. Well, really he was. A colonel wasn't he anything. Colonel of taking care of business? Oh <laughs> yeah! Oh my god, yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah. Hey, I want to say one thing, and and because I have a feeling this might go off the rails this third segment here, but I I don't know so, how. Yeah, I am so proud of, of us. Uh, normally, when I pick at like an iconic band's iconic record, we spend the whole fucking show talking about that iconic person. But which is but, not wrong. I think those but, are perfectly no, entertaining. But this, but this one, we've talked about this record in addition to the iconic person. But we really spend a lot of time talking about this record, the actual music, the actual music on it. So I will, yay us. I Can will you put some more claps in there. Sure, <laughs> I will. I will tell you that. Pause for claps. Yeah, yeah I, I will tell you that. Um, I got a I got a note from uh, a friend a, a friend of some of ours who occasionally listened to this show, who was talking about the who wrote me for a fir- he got he didn't he get the first episode where we mentioned the phrase of its time, he got a subsequent episode where we talked we broke down of its time and kind of uh, dismissed it and and so he wrote me and, and kind of at length and said like what. What is what do you guys mean of its? And he's a musician. He's like, what do you mean by of its time? This is kind of what I took away from it. We won't dive into all that, uh, except to say that I my biggest fear with trying to get a hold of this surface like this material was just that uh, that I was not going to be able to listen to it with fresh ears. And I don't necessarily feel like that was what ended up happening. I I mean I get that, and that's I think a lot of times what happens when. But I mean. A lot of times that that's what happens when we when we I'm bring iconic Elvis. stuff, but I mean, but you say listen to it with fresh ears. I guess it means like I mean like you know when we did the Grateful Dead, we did a Grateful Dead studio record. And anyway, whatever. But well, okay, so it's easy to talk about yes the icon. And, yes and no. Um, like what what I immediately took away from it on the first run through was like, oh hey, good rockabilly band with good ballads also 
But that is I don't even know if rockabilly was a term when this it, came out. It became a term after this came out, and and like on, on the Wikipedia. I mean, like about like Elvis, so many of these songs, I could just hear like like I've booked a bunch of bands that sound like this. And well, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're talking fifty years, sixty years on now. Yeah, you know, for like sure. Seventy years, whatever. How many? There's not, a lot of years. Not seventy. Eighty years. I don't know. Let's yeah. just fucking up the end. One hundred ten. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred ten. Yeah. We're talking about one hundred and ten years on here now, and so like. At the time, like I'm, he was going on tour. That's what it says on Wikipedia. He was going on tour, and you know he was too, he was too R and B for the country stations, and and way too hillbilly for the R and B stations. And somebody coined the term rockabilly. Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, a couple things that I wanted to bring up. Um, one is that Elvis was a twin. If that kid had lived, yeah, would this have happened? I thought about the same thing. Like, what would happen if the if the if there the were twin, two of these? Well, yeah. no. Like, like, do you? I think part of the other thing that I found myself thinking about is is all the times he got turned down and given bad news and like just ha- like how bumpy that whole situation was and like whether it was the hardship that sort of as well as his environment and the fact that he was a big sponge. That helped it propel him to success. Yeah, and, per, I mean, there's there, there's the persistence and the fact that like, I mean, he was so nervous when he was up there doing it, but he did it. You know, like he always used to say, "Oh, he just went to Sun Records to cut that, you know, A side and B side for his for his mom's birthday." But I didn't know this and, until I was researching for this album. But there was a cheaper, like, oh, there was yeah, down the road, da- there just was, down there was the road that was just for like consumers. Like, yeah, 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 not and so so the speculation is like he wanted to be discovered when he went into Sun Records, which ultimately he was. Right. Yeah, and Mark and Mark uh and I were talking during the break and I think one of the things that I mentioned here but the, I thought you had a really interesting point of that was specific to some of the ballads, some of which show up on this this work and others was like what a sponge this guy was. And like you mentioned something that I hadn't thought about which was his Bob Wills influence like on some of that stuff. Like Yeah, I just I mean when you were talking about uh you know Love Me Tender and how he, you know, his well, voice Bob, had changed. Bob Wills, like, Western swing. That was yeah. Well, yeah, but, I mean, but Bob Wills incorporated so many different... Yeah, and not necessarily just Bob Wills, but it, that that more nasally kind of kind of sound, uh, you know, I, I think that he had a lot of uh, influence from that. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see that. Just because he was open to all influences and because he was versatile enough that he could incorporate them on the fly. Like, that's the thing that, like, when I hear you talk about, like, how his vocal delivery advanced, like, in a short period of time. Right. Some of it was iteration from being out there on the road and, yeah, and whatever. But also some of it was just because you got to be open to the influences, I think. But he might be the original sellout, which probably was orchestrated What does that by... even mean? What, is, what well, does sellout okay. mean? All this... That's a fair... All this... Yeah, yeah. Sure. Great, a fair argument. But, like, all this raw talent... And then put through a corporate machine, and what comes up on the other end is not nearly as good. So, well, it's your opinion. Well, and of course, and, it is. I and think it's better. Yeah. A lot let, of it. Let's, you think let's 1974 least... Elvis is better than 1956 Elvis? No, but I think like 1958 Elvis is. I mean, I'm just talking about like his his singing and stuff like that. But by the time he gets to that, by the time he gets to 1974, I mean, and doing, I mean, a, the guy, doing a movie like every like doing three no, movies in that every year. in that sense, I mean, definitely like he's it being, diminished he's, his talent. It, I'll, I'll, fair, that is a fair point to make. Point being is like fame does funny things to people, and Elvis, in many ways, was one of the early and maybe a really like shiny example of how that's possible. Well, he's, he's like the guinea pig of like modern fame. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and you know he's one person, like a small sample size, but it <laughs> yeah. got crazy. It got larger over time. <laughs> But <laughs> oh, that's true. That sample size got larger over time. <laughs> you are my brother. <laughs> anyway, we hear uh, no song. Yeah, what else we got? Uh, well, so there were six singles on this. Play an old one. Um, well, b- b- play one. <laughs> play play something from the fifties. Well, <laughs> let's see. So we listened to a rockabilly one. We listened to it. We listened to a. Uh, you know what, man? I'll tell you what. I think the best singing he does on this is the, is the singing on Blue Moon because his his falsetto is so fucking amazing on it. Oh, well, the Shana like, Knob version is so much better, but like... Uh, oh, dude. One by You know that song was written by Richard Rogers? Never mind. I actually have no idea who wrote this. Richard, How many covers of this are there? You know it was written in 1927? Too many. 
by R- Richard Rodgers and Larry Hart, like who Richard Rodgers went on to write like Sound of Music in Oklahoma, and with Larry Hart, he wrote like Pal Joey. Anyway, fam- one of the most famous. Anyway, but all all of these versions got rockabillyed up later, like in the fifties. But the song was like thirty years old already. This is a beautiful ballad, though the way he does it. That's originally how it it should have been done. It um it was anyway. But you think about this like this, but when he recorded this song. It essentially was 30 years old. That's like somebody recording, I don't know, what was 30 years ago? So, a song from like, like 1986. Wham? Like, <laughs> get out of my, you know, get out of my get dreams, my... get into my car, or whatever. Like, you know, think about a song 30 years ago. Some, like, some Rick Astley. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Never gonna give you up. Yeah, right. We're just, tonight, you know what I'm I... I'm never gonna give you up. We're all just doing our... our Wonderful song. See, that's what we're doing tonight. We're showing people the talent that we have as singers, and maybe somebody will find us. Yeah. Hey, hey, Sam Phillips. I know you're dead, but (laughs) if you could point point us to somebody, somebody to us, we'll have a seance after the show. All right, that sounds great. Let's do Blue Moon. Standing alone Without a dream in my heart Without love of my own Blue moon You knew just what I was there for You heard me saying a prayer Someone I really could care for Hey, so is that slapback? Like we were talking about, slapback. Well, no, you and Shane were discussing whether or not. Mark, that's I, I asked okay. that part. Yeah, I mean, to me, that just sounds like it just sounds like reverb. I think it feels I think like slapback to me. Slapback on the uh, on the guitar bit in the background, maybe. But I mean, I feel like what I know about the the analog. So it, it goes through like a soundboard, and it's like a slight delay. Um, there's a there's actually a spring. It's like, have you ever sung into one of those microphones that makes you sound like you're from outer space, like when you're a little kid? Like, it's just uh, a self yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's like a little plastic shell with a spring in it. Yeah. That's essentially how reverb's made. Okay. Like original reverb, spring yeah. reverb. So you're using your sound to bounce Analog reverb. Analog reverb. But you're, but there's different ways to do it now. You can run it anyway. But You can just hire a guy to like yeah, do all you your reverb. Yeah, you hire a guy to just take care slap of that for you. Slap me on the back. Yeah, just do, but I think slap s- my back, do the reverb for me. From what I understand, and I don't, of course, I'm not, you know. A, An engineer. Or a, uh, I'm not an expert on this, but you do occasionally wear. You can hats. hear the you can hear the springs actually slap like through okay. the force <laughs> of the like the reverb springs slap. So you, so it sounds like there's reverb, but then they but then they vibrate even more. Like like if you, as though you pull back a rubber band and let it go. So like the yeah yeah, which is like such a like so uh, such a hallmark of this era of his material. Like yeah yeah. But uh, a lot but of right. a lot of slapping back. The, uh, going on the back. falsetto on that is pretty impressive. It's impressive. That's that's a place where like and he didn't do that after this record. I don't think. I think they they told him not to anymore. Really? I mean, I I couldn't ever remember hearing him do it before, but it just sounds so surprising to me because he has maybe the best falsetto I've ever heard. It's the like, well, that, maybe Ro- that maybe and the Pompadour is the, the thing that he and Morrissey have in common. Is well. It's like don't do the falsetto anymore. But he has a much better falsetto than more. But by the way, did you notice? Like I didn't really notice until listening to this record ever that uh, Morrissey had probably listened to some some Elvis growing oh, up. Oh, a ton. I'm well, sure. Yeah, he'd listen a little bit of Elvis, dude. Like there there are several uh, Smith songs that are just fucking rockabilly. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And I mean, you know, not for nothing, but uh, Morrissey has been known to sideburn. So it's like totally. he, he's just yeah, kind of putting it out there. Yeah. Like, dude, Vicar in a Tutu, if it didn't have those lyrics, could be an Elvis song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've always known. I mean, the, the, the band that he hired for the uh, the Kill Uncle tour, I mean, they I mean, they were a straight up rockabilly band. Like, 
like throwing the bass around and that's how that's how it sounded you know I'm sure you understand that, what that was means. super accurate by the way oh i know that's what i'm saying uh it's uh sam phillips if you're out there somewhere like send somebody to, to check out our band you know i one of the things that that i meant to say up top but haven't is that i like i really appreciate going way back in the catalog of really important artists because you get to catch them before they caught wind of the fact that they were all that i like, think that's that's the fun of like what we're doing here like for me is just going back and like just finding the root of like some crazy shit that yeah. we've all heard about. I meant to bring some scarves and water, and I just didn't bring some scarves and water tonight. I was gonna give you all some scarves and water while we we're in the well, middle. I'm of pretty the sure show. there's water available at your house. Well, you, you can have some water, but I don't have any scarves. What's the thing with the, I don't understand? So like. Charlie Hodge used to bring uh, some scarves and his water to Elvis uh, during oh. the show. This is the man who brings my my scarves and my water, Charlie Hodge. Like and he would say it pretty much just that way. Like that was a thing. Thank you, thank you, Charlie. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you for my scars, my water. What? It's a like it was only like twenty years. Like when he went from this Elvis to that Elvis. I mean, I know. crazy. Basically, no. it's essentially exactly twenty years. Twenty. Well, like and if, 20, you, if you years. read like the story of like him from like nineteen fifty three to about like nineteen fifty seven, it's crazy. Oh, like forty years to me is like nothing. Uh, he, and like he was doing crazy shit like every single day that made him and then he went massively the army, more famous like went in the army for two years came back and then just made a bunch of bad movies okay yeah anyway so uh yeah thanks for taking us in the way way back machine uh well it was actually shane that, that and shane yeah. well yeah all right kids uh who's got uh the new thing kevin does yeah so um so i figured that uh well it, it doesn't happen this way very often, but there there was a band that I booked for a South by show once who's managed to kind of well a lot of those bands just kind of fizzle out like they'll come in and do their little most bands fizzle out many many bands fizzle out I think all bands at some point fizzle out uh, yes uh, that's probably true well and yeah and Father Time Except is undefeated for like Chicago yeah I think they're still it's the reanimated corpse of Peter Cetera that's doing shows now anyway uh, he's not dead I don't think but anyway. Uh, technically. So, um, <laughs> just a soul. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, I'm sorry, <laughs> Peter, if you're listening to our podcast. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so there was a band that, um, that, that came in and, and was part of a show that I booked at South by Southwest one year, um, who's managed to kind of like hang around and they're playing like sort of undercard status at, at festivals and seem to have garnered a little festivals bit of Festivals we've heard of. Festivals that we've heard of. Yeah. Um, they're a band from Seattle called Hey Marseille. And uh, and anyway, they've got a... They have put a record out in the past year, and uh, I wanted to play one of the tracks off of that. Um, it's a single called uh, Eyes on You. You said it was the last time Even when I close my eyes You're the one can't deny And we move in the landslide Watch it all turn to dust Block out the daylight With the stars out Show me what you need Do you want it To be on it I've got my So I had a couple of, uh, like, I was gonna, I really wanted to go with some death metal right out of that. Like, I thought that, yeah. Not, yeah, I don't think you hit, you hit the target on that one. No. Um, yeah, anyway, um, Hey Marseille is a band from Seattle. They do uh, kind of, you know, fey art pop, like chamber pop, as it says on Wikipedia. And so, like, somebody like, brought up, like, it is kind of in the death cab idiom. It sounded like a, yeah. a song, the music was by local natives, with Ben Gibbard from Death Cab singing over it. 
but really good. I really enjoyed it. It was yeah, good. No, they're and they're oh, fun live. Terrific. Like they're they're fun live, and I just have kind of like it's one of those there there are some of those bands that that played those bills that I just don't keep up with, and these guys seem to pop up every now and then. And I'm like, oh, what are they doing? And it sounds like you know they're still they're still working and touring. And anyway, this is their off their latest release. I like that song way, way more than I like that video, though. Like, the video just seemed way too pretentious, and the funny parts weren't funny. It just, I didn't like the video at all. The f- song I, I didn't know it was trying to be funny. I just looked like it was trying to be weird. I think it was trying to be weird, oh, but that, I think it was trying I, to be funny weird. I think they stuck the landing on the weird part. For yes. sure. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. was like, yeah, this is uh, for sure weird. Um Nice job, guys. Yeah, I mean, they don't so. have like they don't just bring up a box of Twinkies and ever like stepping in them like, like without it. it like they're definitely there's trying to be some element of humor in there. Well, kind of what I the, what I expected the payoff to be was that like you know the whole thing was like that you know the refrain in that song is like I've got my eye on you. Like I expected the model to be the subject, and then like maybe there's this reveal at the end where there's like some kind of like I don't know somebody who. Wanted to connect with her, can't connect with her. Anyway, that never happens. There's just like some Apple products. Well, okay, so, and like, I, I <laughs> might have checked out a little bit, but like, was there a wedding or something? And there's no, it didn't make any thrown. sense. There were petals thrown yeah, with a golden turtle that turns into a regular turtle. Me. That was that was weak. That uh, one had more rational sense into it, <laughs> in that they issued newspapers. Barely. It had more narrative. Uh, barely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good song. Yeah. Weird video. Sure. Yeah. Both of those things are true. Yeah. Who's got next week? You do. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I've had this one in reserve, and uh, it's it's the third in the series. Um, it's going to be something from the late 70s, early 80s in the new wave genre. Nope. Oh, yeah. All right. What do you got? Early 70s. Um <laughs> Kick out the jams. I knew it. I was gonna say, is it MC Five? I literally it was is coming MC out of my five. Mouth. I was gonna be. Like, I have to knock MC5? out the the proto punk triumvirate, you, and we've done two out of three. You're on the roll. Yeah, that's true. Well, and here's the thing. It's like, dude, I literally almost said MC Five. Yeah. All right. I've I've had the jams ready, and I just have never gotten around to kicking them out. So this will be it'll be nice. It'll we be will kick out some jams. Yeah. Next that's week. Good. All right. Um, super. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Dad. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the Elvez. Oh my God, I didn't ever tell. Well, this is—it's really too late. To Elvez, the, the, the not, not, not that. Uh, there was, was so I great. mentioned earlier. I mentioned tonight, uh, circling back to Elvis for a quick second, that um, there was that there was that meeting of you know or that that party that whatever Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash and. Elvis and Buddy Holly were all at that there's actual footage of. But the other thing about living out in West Texas was that there was a there was a regular working Elvis impersonator out there who was easily the worst Elvis impersonator I've ever seen in my entire life. He was goddamn terrible. Was it me? No, it was not you. This is before you and I knew each other. And uh and he would work like I don't know, it was like the opening of a Seven Eleven. Like, have you ever seen somebody <laughs> cutting the ceremony of a Seven <laughs> Eleven? Have you ever seen like going to eat a sli- drink a slurpee? <laughs> go, go, go. <laughs> have you ever seen anybody so bad that they made you uncomfortable to watch them? Oh yeah. yeah, like it yeah. was most that, of their children. It was that times a hundred, and he was a goddamn adult. Anyway, it was uh, yeah. But uh, at his name, and you could look him up at that time. You know. In the yellow pages, and his name was Vince, and that was what always struck me. Was just like in, one in the yellow name? pages. It was, just, it was, it was like look for it Vince. was like Vince the Elvis impersonator, or whatever. Yeah, it's oh, going to get a Slurpee. Anyway, <laughs> it was Hello, Slim Jims. It was great. All right, anyway, kids, let's get out of here, please. All right, let's do it. I'm, I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. That's Kevin. That's Mark. <laughs> this is somebody likes it. <laughs>